You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 69, and we'll put in a healthy pause here for any jokes that Chuck would like to make. I'm too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) As you can tell, we are in a a joyful kind of mood because Juventus, thankfully, did not come out of the international break in any bad kind of way, so... Before we get to the Roma talk, we shall get to a man clad in orange and Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello, hello. Yes, uh, uh, this is the only orange shirt I have in. Uh, oh, obviously this is podcast feed, so why am I even describing my? Uh, yeah, well, it's an audio form, but um, yeah, the only orange shirt I have in my uh, wardrobe. I don't even have a Netherlands jersey. I don't really have many jerseys, honestly. So, uh, which I don't know. I'll fix one day when it, whenever the price drops be- below one hundred thousand euros and. You know, sacrificing a firstborn child to get one of these shirts. So, uh, wow. that's how expensive they are, really. Wow. That's how expensive they feel to me. So, but hey, here I am. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's start. And we've got Sergio, a man who has a pandemic related kit collection I hear about every now and then. Hello, Sergio. Yes. Happy to be here as always. That, that's, that, you know, collection really only started because of the pandemic because I moved back home and I didn't have to pay a rent. So suddenly I had a lot of disposable income at hand, which was like, oh, okay, let's just buy a bunch of dumb stuff. But now, yeah, it's it's wild how, like how expensive new shirts are. Like it's insane, it's ridiculous. I 
unless you really, really, really like one, I just don't see any reason to buy it the, like the year they come out, especially because like there's always stock left. Just get it next year, people. Like, honestly, unless it's like a really like limited edition or like, you know, they're not going to restock it, then go for it. But otherwise, just, you know, word to the wise, inside advice, there's always stock left. Like there's always stock left. You can get that for much cheaper one year afterwards. Yeah, and a, and a completely unrelated Jersey side note. I was actually earlier today, since my birthday is coming up, I usually buy something for myself. And I was looking at buying a Gigi Buffon Parma goalkeeper jersey for this season, since obviously it's Parma and they're always beautiful. And then the price showed up after the customization came through. And I said, well, let's see how much money I get from the parents first before I go paying for these types of things yeah it's like 150 euros or something easy right it's a lot it's yeah a it's lot. Dumb. Yeah, for sure it's yeah dumb. the only one like you said Sergio, the only one that i'll get is like the time when uh like a really special event like when the 120 was the 120 year anniversary was a few years ago yes. UV, you know that, like that one okay you know maybe but i mean i didn't get it but like i can understand why you get that you one should have gotten out. it yeah 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 oh i should have done a lot of things i yeah, should I have should. gotten it we all oh, oh you oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. should have, could have, would have, man. Exactly. Yeah, one one of the dumb uh, pandemic buys was that pink kit uh, for Juve, the one that was like the, the human, human, uh, human something. It was called like it was like a tie dye sort of yeah. joint there, and I was like, yes, absolutely, one hundred seventy dollars. Sure, why not? <laughs> and I've come to regret that decision, but you know, whatever. It was a once in a lifetime thing. But yeah, I, I definitely, you know, good advice. If you want to buy kits, just get them off the clearance rack. Yeah, I definitely miss the days of Juventus being like, we just got a big win. Here is a discount. Yeah, that's that's just not feasible anymore. And how about this for a transition, Chuck? Speaking of a big win. <laughs> yeah, all calculated. That's all right. It was all the wheels are in motion. That's right. Juventus come back from the international break with a very mag- – Here's something we've been saying a lot lately. A very Max Allegri e one nothing win over Roma. Three straight one nothing wins. Chelsea, Torino, and now Roma. And who knew that at the you know, you look back, oh, say about a month ago, and who could have predicted that the two or three leading players for Juventus in a win over Roma would be Wojciech Chesney, Federico Bernardeschi, and wait for it. Mattia De Ciglio. So, Sergio, since you are somebody who is very much on the Mattia De Ciglio needs more playing time bandwagon, I say that in jest, fully in jest. Your thoughts on Juventus's win over Roma? First of all, it's just it's insane that Mattia De Ciglio chose to have his one good game per year after I spent like 15 minutes crapping on the decision to start him. Because, like, he was good. He was good. Admittedly, he was good. He was the best version of himself, which is a a perfectly adequate, above-average player that can sometimes, you know, surprise you. And and that's who he is at this point in his career. And and that's what he put forth on Sunday. It was it was a pretty good performance. And, and like Danny was saying, objectively, one of the better players on the field. So that was that was fine. That was good from him. But... Honestly, like the point remains, like the point remains, why are we still giving Matias Siglio minutes? It's beyond me. He is who he is at this point. Like just one game every now and then is not going to change that. But, you know, that's neither 
neither here nor there. You know, in general, I think Juventus was a lot like Mattia De Ziegler in the sense that, you know, you don't really expect this from them, but they've been doing really well recently. You know, in spite of how they started the year, in spite of how much crap we talked about them, they've been playing really well lately. Just no caveats. Like they're finally starting to look like a, like a complete team. Are they blowing the doors out of, you know, anybody right now? No, but you know, then again, I don't think Max Allegri was ever really in the business of blowing people out. Like that, that just wasn't their their style ever, even at, at, in the peak Allegri years. And this last few games, you know, the game before the international break and this game against Roma, they were really, really, you know, vintage Max Allegri performances, just very composed, very professional. And it was the same in, on Sunday. It really was like Roma had the ball for the most of the game. They were trying to get dangerous, really. And their only big chance uh, was when Giorgio Chiellini lost that ball that ended with the PK. Outside of that, they didn't really amount to much. So, you know, little by little, slowly but surely, this team is is starting to look like what we all thought they would look at the beginning of the year. Just very composed, just very defensively structured, very defensively sad where to go, how to rotate. Just, just that type of very professional like you know game from them and we're seeing that finally from this team and it it's it's a it's it's a good thing it it was a boring game which i'm fine with i'm perfectly fine with a boring game in three points like i was missing that in my life so it it was it was a great great sunday yeah first half was definitely boring (laughs) i'll uh, echo that (laughs) um first half was just kind of but that's where all the controversy was chucks yeah yeah that is actually the ironic thing indeed Hell, speaking of controversy, I'll start on that one, actually, uh, on the that bizarre penalty situation, the entire, you know, just that run of events, because there is a, a little bit of a little bit of history lesson here. There's a very similar situation in the uh, 2006 Champions League final between Barcelona and Arsenal. Did look it up very quickly. Uh, for some reason, I just remembered that. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe. I don't know. I guess it was one of the first. Yeah, it was probably one of the first finals I'd watch, or maybe second or third or something. Maybe that's why. Basically, um, Jens Lehmann for Arsenal, he had fouled somewhat. It's all just outside the box. So I guess it wasn't a penalty, but, you know, just outside the box. But then the loose ball fell to uh, Ludovic Julie, and he scored. You know, he scored from a loose ball. Uh, but exact same situation here where the ref called it back, uh, disallowed the goal, called it back. And maybe this was what affected it here because um, it was a red card offense because it was a last man foul. So Lehmann got a red card and then uh, they got a free kick. Well, uh, I think it was Ronaldinho who uh, well, missed a free kick. Um, but anyway, uh, Barcelona eventually won. But um, yeah, I mean, that was a similar, a pretty similar situation there in the sense that, you know, there's a foul and then a loose ball advantage is not played. The goal scored, but then it's pulled back, you know, uh, for that. So just a little bit of a, yeah, quirky uh, coincidence there yeah in terms of the game uh it was yeah like like you said Sergio the first half was boring despite the controversy second half was uh, more eventful uh in the negative sense I thought in the sense that uh Roma did have like a I would say a, yeah 15 20 minute spell where they uh were really piling on the pressure onto the Juve goal and the Juve defense which uh yeah I mean I think you know comparing it to like the Chelsea game for example um, I thought the Chelsea game, we had far more control and I thought Chelsea had far uh, fewer chances than Roma did, or just, I guess, far f- lower goal threat, uh, lower danger to 
to our uh, defense and uh, Chesney as well. But hey, not every day is a, a Chelsea win. <laughs> this was uh, nonetheless, uh, I mean, still 1-0 victory, still good victory overall, overall, but I'd still say it wasn't quite as smooth sailing as it was against Chelsea. I, was, I felt more comfortable during that game. During this game, I still had some moments where I thought, yeah, this might be the moment where we concede or, you know, like an equalizer might be on the way in, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't. And, you know, again, we have someone uh, to thank largely, uh, or one of the key contributors towards that was uh, indeed Mattia De Chilio, which, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's stranger than fiction, really. I, I have no real explanation explanation for how on earth he's still capable of uh, playing good games, but he did. I mean, he did, and that's, you know, very impressive, and I'm very grateful for that, too. I was actually kind of surprised. I mean, this is slightly unrelated, um, but I was slightly surprised that um, our South American players still played yeah, for the most part, I mean, Bentancur, Cuadrado, uh, Sandro started on the bench, but... Cuadrado put in a full 92. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I mentioned it in the postgame thread. He, yeah, I mean, he must have been absolutely exhausted. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, Danilo as well played, yeah, played, uh, I believe, the full 90, I want to say. Um, not entirely, don't entirely remember I, that. Yeah, he did, he did, yeah. Oh, he did, okay. Yeah, which is, I mean, just insanity, really. Because I'm just looking at the games the south american games that you know that uh qualifiers the golden ball uh, qualifiers and yeah cuadrado played full 90 against ecuador on thursday <laughs> you know i mean it is really just i mean it's just insanity you just it reminds you again just of the, the insanity of the schedule um just the whole international schedule uh, i mean mostly golden ball but um, it's yeah, really just madness. And Bentancur played 71 minutes against Brazil in the 2-0, sorry, 4-1 loss um, against Brazil. So both on Thursday, and then they still play a full 90. And then they still have a Champions League game coming up on Wednesday. So, I mean, the whole thing is really just insanity, the kind of workload they have. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know who, who am I to, you know... <laughs> I'm just some guy on the internet, so what influence do I have on the, the greater scheme of things? Uh, I don't. But yeah, back to the game, um, though, on uh, uh, on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, just a good game. Like I said, it was still a little nervy at some times. Uh, not quite as much comfort or control as against Chelsea, as I mentioned. But um, yeah, I mean, the team is just functioning. You know, it's just, there's pretty clear idea. I was slightly surprised that Allegri went for just a straight 4-4-2 thought that with Rabio out I think that was one of the things I mentioned on last episode actually uh, that was kind of my key decision or key question point before the game will I likely stay with the kind of lopsided 4-4-2 and which in that case would have meant putting McKenny out on the left um, and then keeping Bernadeschi on the right I believe which well anyway obviously it wasn't that way at all I uh, played Cuadrado and Danilo as a double right pivoted and Bernadeschi on the left but you know I thought he might have stuck with a 4-4-2 and a double winger front line but he didn't he you know he went straight 4-4-2 uh, recognized central strike central striker and Moise Keane who scored the winning goal uh, a very bizarre goal as well actually I kind of scored it <laughs> yeah yeah it was a very, very strange goal <laughs> this was a very strange just a bizarre game I mean the Shilio playing well very strange goal the Shiloh having the great assist basically stolen from him uh, because of, you know, deflected so awkwardly uh, of uh, Moise Keane. That 
just strange penalty situation. So yeah, I mean, you know, it was in some way boring, but in some way, no lack of dull moments. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're what is it? Six games straight victory, uh, six victories on the on the, in a row. Uh, well, I mean, who would have who would have thought it? Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting you mentioned how many wins they have in a row now. I mean, you can you can see that they're starting to kind of get that feeling of like, okay, we can, you know, this this is you know how we want to be playing, and I think obviously Allegri deserves credit for getting this team back in the kind of form. I mean, form. I mean, it, it's still a, a pretty small sample size, but having them not say go into just a complete panic after the way they started the season. And I think I made this point on Twitter after the game is like, you, this is why you let Allegri do what you do, do what he does rather than just, you know, hammering home on the panic button after a couple of, of bad results. It's like, yeah, we all hated the way they not only ha- that they lost, but how they lost and dropped points those first couple of weeks of the season. But now you can see things are starting to, look like Allegri wants him to look. And I think that was the biggest thing is like, you got to give this man some time because as much as we said, it's a pretty consistent roster from last last season to this season. And that he actually had a preseason, albeit with a lot of players gone at the Euros for much of it. You got to just give him some time. I mean, Allegri has teams has always seemed to start slow, albeit maybe not to this extent, but, the man needs some time to work. And now we're in the middle of October and things are kind of sort of hopefully looking like an Allegri team can look once they finally get a feel of what the manager is telling them what the hell to do. It's a professional performance. It's a, it's just a, a well-drilled team playing a professional, you know, level game. Like you, you, you don't see the earlier mistakes or, or the mistakes that we were seeing last year on their, on their period and to an extent on their Saturday of just dudes playing out of position of just guys missing their mark of just really silly, silly mistakes that were costing this team points and, and were costing this team games that has just kind of disappeared last few games, right? Like against Chelsea, they didn't put a foot wrong against Torino, more of the same, like really against Roma. It was only the mistake of, of Chiellini that leads to that, you know, to that foul, to that penalty kick, to that whole situation. Uh, which, by the way, I, I do think, and, and we can talk about this later, but I do think Roma gets a little bit screwed on the on the VR interpretation. But then again, they did get a PK, just core PK, and and you're good. I mean, you know, I, I think that when you miss a when you miss a PK, you really don't have anyone to blame but yourself. But you know, that, that's neither here nor there. It's just the point is that this team is very much starting to look like a team that at worst is playing up to the, to their talent. And I don't think we have been able to say that for a while, just play to the level of talent that you have. That's it. That's, that's really all you have to do. And because of the players that are currently in the squad, a lot of the times that's going to be good enough to get a result. And I think Juve is finally doing that right now. And like Danny was saying, I mean, just, you got to let a guy, we all fought in, I include myself because I also thought that they would kind of hit the ground running a little bit more, but you know, yeah, he, he was, Allegri was a coach before, but he's still a new coach. He's still adapting to a lot of these players. It's not exactly the same squad that he left uh, when, when he stepped down as the Juventus coach. So I I think we might have been a little bit over eager to expect him to just hit the ground running. 
And, you know, now that he has had a little bit of more time to drill this team, to coach this team, to really, you know, actually make a difference in this squad, I think we're seeing the results. And, you know, lo and behold, a bunch of people that were thinking that the season was over in freaking September is like, okay, like, you know, win against Inter, couple of results break your way, you're in the top four. And Napoli is not going to win every game from now on. So you can, you know, start chipping away at that at that lead and and who knows right like I, I think the way this team is playing it's it's very very like it gives you a lot of hope that they definitely can you know go back into that top four conversation into that Europe conversation but most definitely kind of crawl their way back into that you know title fight yeah and, and just on that penalty situation as well you know it it slightly reminded me of the well I guess the controversy with the penalty you know, that controversy kind of reminded me of the uh, Luis Suarez, uh, Uruguay versus Ghana situation, I guess I'll call it, in uh, 2010, I think it was, in World, at the World Cup, where, you know, he does the whole handball thing and, you know, leads to the penalty, which, you know, Asamoah, uh, I think it was Asamoah Gian, missed, uh, yeah, hit the crossbar and then missed it. And then, you know, everybody's up in arms saying, you know, ah, Suarez, what a crook, what a crook. But it's, again, it's the same thing as with, um, the penalty yesterday, you know, if in this case, if uh, I think it was Veretu, if he scores that penalty, you know, nobody's talking about a controversy. Nobody's talking about like, oh, uh, why did Orsato give, uh, you know, the penalty when he should have just let it uh, go and then let Abraham, uh, Tammy Abraham, get the equalizer. I mean, it would have been a footnote. It would have been like, oh, that was a weird decision. But, you know, nobody would have been, I mean, up in arms about it <laughs> uh, as, uh, you know, as they are or as they sort of were with just the situation as uh, Veretu missed it and, you know, people look back and say like, hey, why the hell did, you know, why, why did he not just let the the situation continue? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. People people get mad when <laughs> things, I mean, obviously people get mad when things go against them, which I'm human too, so that happens to me too. But yeah, in terms of Allegri, I mean, I, I noted this, um, I think a few episodes ago where I mentioned that Okay, obviously we started the season, you know, poorly and just terrible results. But it's like if you look at if you looked at it each kind of game by game, it I mean the performances technically weren't, I mean, catastrophically bad, except for Empoli, the Empoli loss. That was that was the only game where I thought, okay, Allegri absolutely just like just was off. <laughs> you know, just completely mit- I don't know what happened. I mean, he just messed that up. But yeah, other games, I don't think yeah. I mean th- not that we were fantastic by any means, but it the results or just the run of results made it look a lot worse than each individual performance actually, you know, war, like actual actually was. Again, Udinese was pretty good and just two catastrophic individual mistakes. Napoli, I thought we should have gotten a tie there, but whatever. And then, yeah, the other games uh, subsequently. So I guess just, you know, to use a statistics term, I guess we've regressed to the mean, you know, maybe we were so like, just those were such aberrations, maybe uh, just that early run of results that was such, they were such aberrations. And now we've kind of regressed back to the mean, which, yeah, I mean, the only thing I hope is just that these, that start of the season is not going to prove too costly come, you know, match day 38 at the end of the season, you know, who knows what the damage will be then because you know as i also mentioned the league is much stronger now than years before so teams like napoli sure they'll draw points but you know that they're not gonna napoli's not gonna go on a six match losing streak or something i mean you know or or something crazy like that so we just have to assume that 
generally speaking, the most teams are going to keep their form, maintain their form as is. Because again, I mean, AC Milan as well. They've, I mean, they've only only points they dropped was were, were against Juve, which uh, was a game we could have won as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, all we can do is, uh, yeah, just kind of keep focusing on our own results. Team seems to be sorted out pretty well. We know what we're going to get. We're going to get a straight four four two, and or lopsided four four two. It's going to be yeah, just two banks of four defend, steal a goal or two, and hope for the best. Uh, which yeah, I mean, I'd also mentioned a few episodes ago that uh, which I'll slightly take back now, I guess. But um, I'd mentioned how you know I thought that since we're just bad at defending, we should just go for you know go kind of gung-ho Premier League style, just score six, concede four, whatever. So, you know, okay, I'll take that back slightly. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, we've had three, was it three? Yeah, three 1-0 wins take, in a row. Take that, Chucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will uh, I will recant that uh, statement uh, a little bit, which actually uh, <laughs> kind of on a tangent, but um, I'm reading this book by uh, Adam Grant, uh, Think Again, and basically it just, it basically teaches you how to like change your mind, like, scientifically you know how do you change your mind um, so are you thinking again about your your idea of juventus's defensive performance yeah 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 um, yeah actually, well then the book um, is already working yeah yeah it's, it's a pretty good book actually it's very uh yeah yeah it, it's pretty short and uh, very uh, playfully written so yes thank you uh mr grant and thank you to the library actually because i got it for free so <laughs> i haven't paid for, i haven't paid for a book in years by the way which is kind of a you know life hack uh use the library seriously i've read like i haven't spent money on the book in years. think again <laughs> don't buy books get them at the library yeah for real so, i've saved so much money <laughs> but um but you know anyway there's a there's a part in the book where he talks about um uh it's called super super forecasters which are yeah basically the people that have like you know, they predicted Trump's victory. Um, they predicted Brexit and, you know, all these big events, like they predicted all that. And they asked them, like, you know, how did you, like, what is your method? You know, how do you guys do it? And basically what they say is just, like, they don't stick to one idea from the beginning. And that's just it. They just, you know, they they get new information and then they change their mind. And then they get new information again and then they change their mind. And then they constantly update it. So in line with them. I'm also going to change my mind on what I had said earlier about just kind of Juve's, you know, choosing what our style is going to be. Apparently, we're you know still capable of uh, Allegri ball. So uh, yeah, let's 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 keep doing that. Well, you mentioned Allegri ball, and here's another transition, Chucks. Allegri ball, the name of Sergio's most recent grab bag, which involved some praise for Mister Chesney in goal, and I think that's one of the biggest things that has helped Juventus in recent weeks is that they no longer, at least for the time being, knock on, you know, let's knock on some wood here. They don't have this massive liability in goal. And lately, Chesney has looked more like the pre-2021 keeper rather than the one we saw from the first few weeks of this season and at the end of last season. So Sergio, how surprised have you been just with the fact that there's not a massive worry every time an opposing team shoots towards the Juventus goal. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And, and listen, I, we were like, not even a couple months ago, we were crucifying the guy in this here podcast. Like we're just, you know, calling for Matia Perian, uh, you know, calling for, for him to be benched. I, I didn't think he would make it to October. I thought that Matia Perian would be starting by now. And, you know, 
credit where credit's due. The, the guy has turned it around completely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. He, here's a guy that, you know, perhaps it was overblown, sure, but he had a reputation for being a little bit, you know, maybe mentally, you know, fragile, if you will, you know, he could lose his confidence very quickly. That's, that was something that, that was a big issue for him in Arsenal. That was a big issue for him in his career. And we all thought, well, here we go again. You know, the, the, the mistakes are going to keep on coming and they, they won't stop. And they did. They stopped. Chesney, the, the last few weeks, has been really good. It, it's just not being dependable anymore, which was kind of a, a good step forward. And after those initial couple of weeks where he was terrible. But, you know, he, he graduated from, you know, dependable again to actually really good. The very few chances that Roma put put on goal, he you know he solved fairly fairly confidently, and then he saved the the, the penalty kick that you know eventually ended up giving Juventus a win. So this is a guy that is back to who we thought he was. There's a guy that that was the guy that we were all expecting when Juventus passed on Gianluigi Donnarumma and didn't really sign him or really didn't make a run on, on him when he was available on a free. This is the guy they thought they were getting, and they are finally. They're finally seeing him under the sticks. And, and I think that that can only be a boon to, to the team. This can only be good for them because, as we mentioned before, it all starts from the back, right? And if you know you have a reliable keeper, then you can play a little bit more loosely. Then you can play a little bit more freely. You're not, you know, tied. You're not thinking, man, if we let this shot go through, it's a goal for sure because Chesney can't stop nothing at this point. It, he He's back. He's definitely back. He's playing really well again. It's about, you know, it's... Now he has to prove that he can sustain it, that he can show that, that those mistakes are really, really behind him. But I, I can tell you that I'm much more confident in the outlook of, of, you know, keeping Chesney for this whole year, for, you know, a couple more years. Like, I'm much more confident in the prospect of Chesney under, under the sticks for Juve than I was, you know, a couple, a month ago or a month and a half ago. He, he just really turned a corner. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it, it's funny as well with Chesney because I – I think when he had made those errors, I was talking about kind of like, okay, wh- what do we do? You know, do we do we bench him or not? And I looked, I looked back at his errors, and you know, first it was like the Udinese game. You know, those were two really, really just individual errors. Like they weren't technical errors or something. They were just like blatantly individual um, mistakes. But then, yeah, the Napoli game was kind of a technical error. So you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, if if they're just personal errors just individual just bloopers then i would be at the time anyway i'm just talking about what i was saying at the time um then it would be okay to just keep him on because you know individual errors like that by nature they're just anomalies they just like they just completely random i think technical errors are more a question of yeah indeed technique i mean are you training well are you practicing the correct like ways to come out and just right handling skills and all that um, and yeah, I mean, I guess it looks like they were just, I guess they were just aberrations, you know, as, as errors in the beginning. And now, as I mentioned earlier with Juve, I guess Chesney as well is just kind of regressing to his mean of like, you know, yeah, being a good goalkeeper. I mean, in general, he is a very good goalkeeper. He was just so, so far below his, his average um, that people were kind of questioning things, of course, rightly, but um, seems like he's, yeah, regressed back to his, his, his standard now. And, and, you know, I think also just the nature of being a goalkeeper is, yeah, if you make an individual error, it's just going to be nine times out of 10, it's going to be pretty fatal <laughs> for the team. 
So it stands out more in your mind. Whereas, you know, if any other outfield player makes a glaring error, I mean, Chiellini made a big error um, against Roma, which, I mean, sort of, sort of been a goal, sort of, I mean, technically was a goal. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, I mean, okay, you see that one, but people are like, okay, you know, big error, but it kind of just kind of move on. But yeah, if a goalkeeper makes something like an error like that, as he did, as he did against Udinese, that really, really stands out in your mind. And you're like, man, did you see, you know, look at that error he made or the two errors he made and that directly led to goals. So I think that's also just kind of the nature of being a goalkeeper that any mistakes you make are just going to stand out so much more vividly than, you know, any other outfield player, maybe except central defenders. But yeah, no, he's, he's, he's back at it again. So, uh, you know, keep it up, my man. All right, we'll transition into a little talk of what's, to come before we get to a couple of Twitter questions to wrap things up. And obviously Juventus has another big game in the form of Zenit St. Petersburg in Russia on Wednesday night. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we have referenced it before Max Allegri's quote on how the two Zenit fixtures would kind of be the main, main focus in terms of Juventus's progress into the knockout rounds in the champions league. Well, that was before Juventus went and beat Chelsea. So obviously Juventus can, in a way, take a, a good amount of control in the group or at least maintain their first place standing in the group with any another win, a third straight win to begin the Champions League group stage. So knowing that Chelsea are playing the bottom dwellers in Malmö, did I get that right, Chucks? As far as I know, yes. Okay. <laughs> I think. Well, um, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So knowing that, how big is this game? Simply, obviously, it's a Champions League. It's always going to be a big game. But knowing that Juventus can really keep that separation between themselves and Chelsea, how much importance are we placing on, on the trip to Russia, gentlemen? Well, I think it depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at it just from the perspective of qualification, uh, then, I mean... I think four points really from this game, assuming that Malmo, I mean, that's, you know, I'm just going to assume that that's, you know, another victory for us when we played in match day six, I believe. I'm just going to assume that that's three points because they really are the whipping boys of the, uh, of the group. So yeah, assuming that that's three points uh, in the bag as well, then that's, you know, nine currently. And then uh, obviously the Chelsea away game and then the two games against Zenit. Yeah, I mean, I think if you get four points against Zenit, so yeah, again, one one win, one draw. I mean, that wraps up qualification, really. So yeah, that's qual- that's the perspective of qualification. But then I guess if you're if you're looking at it from, are we going to top the group? Well, I think that's going to depend on match day five, probably. So that's the away game against Chelsea, because I'm also going to assume that Chelsea are going to win their two games against the Malmo. So yeah, in terms of Topping the group, I don't know. I obviously don't know if we're going to, you know, make that. But, yeah, if we're going to top the group, we're really just going to have to win every game and then probably tie against Chelsea. Um, just, yeah, because assuming that they're going to win two against Melma and then probably win or tie against Zenit. But, yeah, we're – so, yeah, to top the group, we'll have to really win. But I think just to qualify – I mean, four points should be more than enough. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the key part here is what Chalks was saying. It's, it's qualification. Uh, if you win win against Senate, you're sitting nine points. 
three wins out of three matches, even with Chelsea winning, you know, you're if you take Allegri's words at, at face value, you know, you're six six points ahead of Senate. That that pretty much means you only have to again, yeah, beat Malmo at home, and and you're pretty much good to go, right? Like th- this, that's why I think this game is is as important as it is, really, because. You know, it, it can it can mean that you know when you go to those last games again in the Champions League, you know, especially considering that this this is Juventus visiting Senate, which is arguably you know the, the the more complicated of the two games against the the Russian side. If you win this one and then you close the last game of the champion of the group stages against Malmo, it, you know, regardless of how you finish against Chelsea, you could be sitting very pretty in that last game only trying to get a draw or trying to get a win against Malmo to, you know, kind of like finish up, you know, the qualification against the round of 16. So, so I think this is a pretty, pretty big game in that regards, just because it clears all the responsibilities from the later games to try to, you know, grit and grind to, to the last couple of games. I think if you can win this one, it gives you a lot of breathing room. And it's also, you know, going to be just a testament to the good form this team is showing. I think it's just another step. It's just, you know, quietly but it's building a winning streak and and that's what this team is doing right now i think they have to take advantage of the you know of the form they're currently in of the of the you know the way they're playing and really kind of if you can start you know sewing up that that round of 16 qualification early i think it's it's better for everyone i really do and you know i i do expect them to to win even though it's juventus in europe where bad things tend to happen in general I, you know, I, I do think that we've seen enough from this team to actually give them, give them a bit of, of a benefit of the doubt and really think that they're going to keep performing like this because they have been playing really well. So there's just a, another test that, that they're going to have to complete. Well, I, the only reason I kind of have a little bit of caution uh, or trepidation, as uh, they would say, uh, about Zenit is uh, because they're the type of team that I think Juve just struggles with. And, and I think that the type of team that, a leggy ball kind of isn't optimized for because I mean, they're not a glamour team. They just, they're just going to defend and, you know, sit at the back solidly and, you know, occasionally uh, venture forward and hope to steal a goal through a set piece or something like that. But yeah, they're not gung ho going forward or anything, you know, the small guys basically. Um, so yeah. So I'm still a little, a little nervous if we're, I mean, if we're going to win that or if it's going to be a kind of a crappy nil, nil draw, but yeah, I mean, we can win. I mean, we're favorites. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't think it will be a very pretty game. That's for sure. And I mean, they were very good against Chelsea as well. I, 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 I was watching that game kind of with one eye and watching another game at the same. All right, the UV game obviously at the same time. Yeah, they. I mean, they were very solid. They honestly, they maybe could have won that game if they had a little more luck with one or two chances. So um, yeah, they're they're not bad. Well, as good as as good as Zenit has been or was against Chelsea, I should say. And as much as they're sitting atop the Russian league table, it they, they've they lost back-to-back games. So I don't know what kind of shape they're going to be entering this game in. And and obviously Wednesday night, we will, we will find that out. And the good news is that it's not in the early, early stages of the Russian winter. That is good. Because as we know, when Juventus has gone to Eastern Europe in the Champions League, Late in the group stage, the last last few, I'm trying to think of a good word here, last few excursions over to Eastern Europe haven't exactly been been the best. And 
again on an audio medium chucks just nods his head because he is in agreement with me there completely completely <laughs> all right well with all that said let's get to some twitter questions here first one from our buddy at handy vandy the all caps wings of fetty are starting to build up to full strength uve is winning games consistently and keeping clean sheets are these two things directly related and as a second follow-up question Juve have come close to winning the Champions League with Max with a Max Allegri system before. Do we finally get to win it with him? I know no, that's I, a lot. <laughs> the thing is, to me, you know, just the fact that they're getting anything from Federico Bernardeschi at this point, to me, I, I think it's great. I think it's gravy. I think I honestly thought that he was going to be this year's version of like Stefano Sturaro. Or like, you know, Simone Padoin or one of those guys. Like everyone enjoys, like, it's just a fan favorite because they seem like good dudes. Uh, but, you know, you don't really expect much from them on the field. And to his credit, he's really, you know, he's finding he's finding a groove. Am I going to say that he's a game changer, that he's a, a key part in the team moving forward? No, not really. But mostly he's playing because of injuries in other places, which, you know, has made Allegri rotate his team. But, you know, even so, you know, credit where credit's due. The guy's playing well. The guy's playing, you know, good football. The guy's playing productive, you know, productive football that's leading to wins. And that's not nothing. And if he can just keep that form up, be a occasional starter, be a depth piece, I, I do think they're going to end up renewing him. Because, you know, when when they the first rumor started about his renewal, I was like, why would you, like, why would you renew Federico Bernardeschi at this point? And, you know, the rumors start to, to, to come out that they were looking into renewing him, maybe at a lower wage, but still, you know, keeping him. And if he keeps this up, I get it because he's a useful guy. He's, he's a guy who has a lot of, you know, work rate, a lot of pace, uh, who can, you know, play in a bunch of positions. He, at this version of Federico Bernardeschi, the one where we're seeing, the one that we have seen the last few games, the one that showed up against Roma, is a valuable player. It's a player that has value that can definitely bring something to the table and that could definitely help this team win. So on that sense, I, I do, I am happy with Federico Bernardeschi to be, to be, to be sure. And, you know, regarding the other thing, I mean, who knows? Honestly, who knows? At this point, the Champions League, the Champions League is such a, a, a coin flip in the best of circumstances that at this point, it, Honestly, wouldn't shock me if this is the best season they have in Europe in, in a while and they make a quasi-2014, 2015 run to the final or something like Like At this point, every time you try to predict what's going to happen with this team, they just completely flip it upside down. Like They get a favorable draw in the run of 16. They get bounced. They like It seems like they're not going to amount to much. They make it to a final. Like it's just It's hard for me to really say anything. So far, they've been playing well in Europe. Let's wait until this Wednesday to see if, you know, maybe they lay an egg against Senate and we're right back to square one. But, you know, I, I do think that Allegri has found more success in Europe than any other Juve coach in this decade. And it's funny now looking back because the season that we all thought was such a huge disappointment on their Allegri when they got, you know, bounced by that. Really, if you look back on it, like a once in a lifetime Ajax team, that's the best Juventus has done in Europe in the past three years. So maybe it wasn't such a letdown of a year. Maybe it wasn't such a disappointment on hindsight. But, you know, 
it is true that their best performances have come under Allegri. So I expect them to, to have that continue. They're going to depend a lot of the, on the luck of the draw, of course, but so far they've, they've shown good stuff in Europe. Let's see if they can keep it up. Yeah, as the uh, golden rule of uh, social science goes, uh, correlation is not causation. So, uh, yeah. That's the second oh. week in a row we've referenced that, Chucks. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, did I say yes? Less? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I, better I said it last week. Oh, you did? Oh, oh man. I thought so. I thought so. I think that. Of course you did. Great minds. How could I? How could I, how could I steal your thunder? How dare you? Um, yeah, correlation is not causation. But, uh, yeah, Bernadeschi is, uh, you know, he's played very well. Uh yeah, remarkably, him and Deshilia. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> miracles happen. Could have been capped off with his amazing uh, overhead kick against Roma, which uh, the, I don't know. The, the internet would have blown, just simply just shut down if, <laughs> if he landed if he scored that. My God, I mean, we we might as well just have just talked for 45 minutes about him scoring that goal because. It would, <laughs> knowing how much how much of a butt of a joke he has been for the last two years, basically, if he had scored that, oh my god! It, yeah, it's it's like he's trying. I know it's it sounds it sounds condescending, yeah. but it's not. It's really not like the the, the, the Federico Bernardeschi that we're seeing the last couple of years. Like he couldn't put a foot right. Like he was doing every single thing wrong. He he didn't have any confidence. He didn't have any, you know, any swagger, any sauce. Like he, he was just a uh, dad out there. And just the fact that he's trying these things, like a scissor kick, like he's trying, you know, outside the box screamers because he got one on a friendly and like he feels confident enough to like keep trying it. Like just that, I think it's a good sign for him because he just wasn't showing that the last couple of years. Yeah, it is. Uh, like I said, miracles did happen. So, uh, yeah, that is, I mean. To cap off an amazing, uh, or well, a very impressive uh, Euro uh, 2020 run that he had. And, and, you know, he's just continuing that momentum. Uh, if only Ramsey could do the same. <laughs> really, that would be nice. Um, then, then it'll truly be a redemption season. Yeah, no, now he's just, you know, doing well. And, I mean, yeah, just, like I said, just being competent and just even, you know, putting in some offensive uh, output here and there and um, contributing, contributing to... Uh, creating chances. So that's uh, quite something. And uh, yeah, I mean, regarding the Champions League question, I mean, uh, I know uh, FC Sheriff on top of the group. So, I mean, frankly, anything can happen at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, who the hell knows? I mean, who knows? But uh, yeah. Bernadeschi, Dechilio, Sheriff. It's just a season of remarkable events. So uh, why not some more? All right, next one here from at Diego R. Naranjo. What are your thoughts on potentially loaning Kyle George in January? And come next summer, would you get rid of Morata for a Dusan Vlahalovic signing? Um, yeah, loan. I mean, generally not really a fan of loans. Yeah, I think they've kind of lost their uh, their usefulness these days. I think most loan deals are just for the team that receives the loan player it's just a stopgap measure because, um, you know, I think theoretically the, the idea behind a loan is like, okay, you have a player who's not quite ready to play for, you know, whichever team they have young players. So, okay, let's just, you know, put them out on loan somewhere, get some experience, get some playing time, and then come, come back to the team and then, you know, take that next step. Really nowadays alone is just for teams that get a loan player. It's just, 
oh, we need a quick, you know, we've had a lot of injuries at uh, center forward. So let's just like get this one player quick for six months just to fill the gap. And then, all right, get out of here again. Um, so, yeah, given that, I mean, I don't know. Is there basically a team that could help him, A, get a lot of minutes, uh, B, that would fit kind of his, you know, A, and then, yeah, C, that would actually kind of care about his development, frankly. I don't know, but in general, I'm not really a fan of loans. I would, I would keep him, I'll keep uh, Caio Jorge here and just rotate them in for, I don't know, Copayali. I mean, Morata's probably going to get injured at some point again this season. I mean, I don't know. I just think probably will. Not, not, nothing against him, but I mean, he's played a lot of minutes. He's had a long year as well. So, I mean, he'll probably get injured at some point. Um, Moise Keen, uh, I mean, he's done okay, but he's not you know, played like, I mean, Ballon d'Or winning football just yet. So, I mean, I think there's space for him to break into the team, honestly. So, no, I, I, I think he, he, yeah, I think he should stay. Yeah, uh, just quick question. Just how many of the Juventus players that have gone out on loan have amounted to anything for Juve in the past five, six years? Well, I mean, I guess Marquisio, right? But he's the only one, really. Uh, I mean, he's an employee. Yeah, but the past five, six years. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, last yeah, few yeah, years. I'm yeah. talking recently. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very few of them. Like, if any. I, I would even say I, I don't think any of them Actually, have amounted I got- to much. I got one for okay. you, Sergio. I got one for you, Sergio. Me. He was technically on loan with Juvent from Juventus, but we all know he was going to go away. And that is your namesake, Christian yeah, Romero. Yeah, Christian Romero, the, the guy we gave away for nothing. And that, you know, turned out to be the best Serie A defender <laughs> of the year. And, you know, they flipped him for exactly. like millions. So just in general, I don't think the loan strategy has worked out super well for Juve in, in the past few years. And, and honestly, it's just, it's, 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 you know, it's Murphy's law every time. Like I guarantee you that if they loan Kyle George out on in January, the next week we're going to have like more is going to get injured. Moiskin is going to get injured. Like everyone's going to get injured and we're going to be like, oh, we could sure sell use him now. So, you know, in my opinion, I think you can never have enough depth. I think. You know, obviously playing is very important for, you know, for, for players, getting getting minutes on the pitch is, is huge. But for a young guy like Kai George, it, you know, it's also important. It's also, you know, significant. And I think he can also learn a lot just by being in the environment of a club like Juventus, just like being coached by the, the coaches at Juventus and the facilities that Juventus has. I, I think that is also valuable. And I think, you know, he can develop and he can learn it. He can grow as a player not necessarily at all the clubs, maybe getting a little bit more playing time, you know, that he would hear, but just, you know, being a Juve player and just growing up in the environment, I think he can get a lot of that too. You look at a guy like Moiskin, his best minutes, his best performance in Italy, they came with Juventus. It didn't come for him when he was playing at Hellas Verona, when he was loaned out. So, you know, it. I don't think that, you know, for a lot of players, I'm sure that getting loaned out and getting minutes and, and coming back to the club that loaned them out, I'm sure that it works out for them. But it's just we haven't seen that success with Juventus. So maybe, you know, I think it's it's time to, you know, keep him in house, keep a guy in house and see see how that works out. And and for the other question, you know, replacing, you know, Morata for Blachovic, that's great. I mean, that would be a great thing to do, but do they have the money? We always go back to that. Do, do they have the money? At this point, 
you know, I'm not even sure that Morata is going to get resigned just because of the of the, the transfer fee that's attached to him, which I believe is 25 million euros, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, who knows how how the how the finance is going to be heading into the summer. And you know, we're talking about a guy like Blahovic, he's gonna have interest from pretty much every club in Europe. Pretty much every every team is going to be after his signature. And you know, I, I think he's you know, he's refusing a renewal at, at Fiorentina. So you kind of know is up in season right at this point. So you're going to get all the big hitters going after him. And Fiorentina has always been kind of like a tough business partner for Juve. So it, it's going to be tough. I hope they can sign him. I think that solves a lot of your center forward issues, but it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And also Juventus has, in, you know, money invested in that center forward position already with Moise Keane, with the, the aforementioned Kai George, I don't know if they're, you know, if they're going to have, you know, the money or if they're just going to, you know, blow up that plan and just go get a, a guy that has, you know, really superstar potential, Blahovic. So who knows? Then again, if it's between him and once again, Mauro Icardi being rumored to Juventus, then just by all means, go for, go for Blahovic because I cannot, you know, I, I had a, a piece during the week about, you know, likable teams. And just having Icardi on Juventus, it's it, it immediately puts their likability rankings like solo. Like I just do not want to root for a team with Mauro Icardi on, on it. I, I'm just I'm out. I don't want it. Maybe Mauro Icardi from a few years ago when he was really, really good. Maybe just stomach in and it's like whatever, he's really good. It, it, it's worth it. Mauro Icardi right now is decidedly not worth all the drama and all the circus and everything that comes with it. I just, I just, I hope they stay away from it. One hundred percent agree with that. Oof, man, don't want that blood. Don't want that brother anywhere near uh, the club. That, uh, that, that makes three of us, and I can hear Sam Lepressi yelling all the way across the country, saying that makes four of us. So wait until they sign him. Like, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. They just do it to spite us at this point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All righty. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up for today's episode. Thank you all for your Twitter questions, and if you want to send us. Twitter questions, send them over to at Juventus Nation on Twitter. If you want to follow us there, go ahead and do so, as well as on Facebook, search black and white and red all over. If you want to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platforms, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, feel free to search black and white and red all over there as well. If you are on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and a five-star rating. We'll always appreciate that because we like nice things sent our direction. So for Chucks and for Sergio and the new dad, Sam Lepresti, this is Danny Thing saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.